We are, we are taking just a few Wednesdays tonight. The next Wednesday will be prayer meeting. And then we'll do one more Wednesday. Um, and then two Wednesday nights in May. We're going to do part one and part two of American Gospel. It is a video to our video. There's no way that I can begin to tell you how good this is. It, 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 let's put it this way. It deals an appropriate blow to the prosperity gospel. And, and it does it in a very good way. It doesn't, doesn't do it in an ugly way. There's, there's, I guess there's ways of going about doing things that, you know, that can be ugly and, and, and yet, you know, helpful. I don't know, but they, they do this in a, in a really good way. And so I hope, I hope you'll come back. I hope that, I hope that, I hope we can convince everybody to come out and see this because it is really instructive, really helpful. And so that'll be later in the month of May. But tonight we're, we're, we're taking a few Wednesday evenings to consider the tabernacle story. The first Wednesday we looked at the tabernacle. Now we're looking at the significance of the furnishings. And you'll see um, a layout here, fl- flow of the of, of worship, the layout of, uh, of the uh, tabernacle. You'll see where that you enter and then... Uh, last week we looked at the bronze altar and the, the bronze laver, and this is all in the outer courtyard. And now tonight we're going to be going into um, the uh, holy place. And uh, let, me, let me ask you, so as you look at that picture and as you think about the furnishings, okay, think about it. There's the altar, there's a the bronze laver. Tonight we're going to look at the table of showbread, we're going to look at the branch lampstand, and then the, the last time we'll we'll look at the altar of incense and the ark, but do, do, is, do you notice anything that's missing as far as furnishings? Is any is it? I mean, everything on there's supposed to be there, but chairs, Bev, way to go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to. I'm sorry to sound shocked that you would say that, but I, don't 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 be offended by that. I'm just so glad you just jumped right in there. I want to read you something. Chairs. That's yeah. There's no chairs in there, right? No place to sit down. Uh, here's, here's what one, one young man wrote. He said, in high school, I worked as a packer in a major Canadian book warehouse. When new orders would come down the line, I would pack them and then move them to the shipping line. The work never stopped because the orders never stopped coming in. Unless it was a designated break time, there was simply no sitting on the job. There couldn't be because the items kept coming onto to my line. The Bible indicates that for the priest serving in the tabernacle, there was no sitting on the job either. Consider the furnishings in the tabernacle. There was an altar, a large basin for washing, curtains, a table, an ark, and a lampstand. Interestingly, there is no chair in the tabernacle. Dan Phillips observes that the reason for the absence of a chair in the tabernacle is the same reason I never had a chance to sit while working in the warehouse. The work never ended. And that only begins to make sense as we later in the New Testament see this verse. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down. <laughs> he sat down at the right hand of God. And, and, you know, that really rings when you think about the fact that the priests were not able to sit down. Why? Because the sacrifices kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and there was just no stopping but when the once and for all sacrifice came uh, he sat down so beautiful beautiful last Wednesday we looked at the bronze altar and the bronze basin very you know 
very little of this would make any sense. This whole tabernacle story, the whole tabernacle system, very little of it would make sense unless a person understands something about sin. You know it? When you think about it, it would make no sense at all. You're like, what? what's this for? What's this for? It's only when we begin to understand, get an understanding of sin, that these things begin to, 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 you know, to, to take on some light, you might say. This evening, we're going to look at two other pieces of furnishings. We're going to look at the table with the bread of presents and the golden lampstand. Now, both of these reside in the holy place. And um, again, let's, let's kind of go back a little bit. Both of you see, to go inside the holy place, you're going to have to go through a, a curtain or a veil, okay? Uh, so let's, uh, let's see here. Here's the tabernacle layout, again, the model. And you see, to enter into the outer court, you had to enter into um, some, some curtains, uh, less elaborate than the next set of curtains that you're going to go through to enter into the holy place. Uh, back to the layout, again, you see right after this bronze laver is, is entering right into the holy place. There actually were three veils, okay? There was the, when you enter the outer court, which we already looked at a couple of weeks ago, and then the veil that separated the outer court from the holy place. That, that's the one we want to think about just for a few minutes. Later, a couple of weeks, we'll consider the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Okay, So three different veils and each one more elaborate than the other. Veils 2 and 3 were similar, okay, except that the cherubim were not embroidered on the, the second veil. Okay? There's, you know, that, that, we get to the third veil, we'll see that. Now, as you pass through the veil, and just kind of picture this, you're moving from the courtyard. Uh, you're not, of course, only for the priests, but they're moving from, let's, let's say we get a chance to go in today, and we're, we're moving from the outer court into the holy place, and only the priests, again, were allowed to enter there. Now, why? Why, why, the, why, why couldn't just the average worshiper walk in there as sincere as they could be? You know, I sincerely want to come in here. Well, um, Adam and Eve, you remember Adam and Eve had immediate access to God. They, 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 they were walking with God in the cool of the evening. They had Im, Im, immediate access to God. However, due to their rebellion... That came to an end, okay? Now, God has provided his people access, yet it will be a mediated access. See, the first access was immediate, okay? Now, due to sin, it has to be mediated. In other words, it has to be a go-between. And so, in, in, and now that's what we're seeing here. The priests are the mediators, the go-between. They can go into the holy place, but the average worshiper cannot. After entering the holy place, kind of picture this, immediately on your right-hand side, okay, you enter on the right-hand side, you're going to see the table with the bread of presence. Let's read a little bit about that, all right? God tells Moses, you shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. You shall make a rim around it, a 
a handbreadth wide and a molding of gold around the rim. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame, the rings shall lie as holders for the poles to carry the table. That, that would be when they're, you know, when they're traveling and they have to move it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and the table shall be carried with these. And you shall make its plates and dishes for incense and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. So what's all this about? Um, notice it, 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 it it's, it's called bread of presence. Bread of presence, why, why so? Uh, it, it was in the presence of God. Notice it says the, the presence on the, set the bread of presence on the table before me. And so the bread was in the presence of God. It's called the bread of presence. But it was also called, uh, it was also called the table for showbread. S-H-O-W, bread. Uh, because of the rows of bread, because the, the, the bread was in rows um, and, and displayed. So it was show bread. Here we get a picture here of, uh, of what, it would, what it would look like. Now, I, first thing I noticed is, is it, it's, it doesn't look at all like rolls from old Charlie's, um, which I would have been deeply interested in. But it's a different, different, different kind of bread here. Now, it's kind of a, Kind of a, I guess, first, aren't you struck by the detail? You know, you know again, we're right back to this orderliness of, of God giving instructions to Moses. It's got to be this way. You look at the table, it's not, it's not very big. In fact, it's three foot long, one foot six inches wide, and two foot three inches high. And it is made of acacia wood, as we noticed, completely covered with gold, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But uh, it was—it was this bread was to be laid out regularly. It said, and uh, the way I understand it is once a week on the Sabbath day. Sabbath day. What, what day was the Jewish Sabbath day on? Saturday. All right. And and so why are we worshiping on Sunday? Why? Why? Yeah, th- they did that because of because Jesus Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. See, and so. A radical shift, you know. That, that, that's, that, that's, again, another, another one of the effects of, of the resurrection is, uh, you know, the, the Sunday came the, the day, the, the Lord's day, day of worship, you know, as opposed to following the Jewish Sabbath. Now Christians would meet on Sunday. Twelve loaves of bread. Why, why not 13? Anybody want to pose a guess? Twelve, twelve tribes. Of Israel, symbolic of that. Uh, so yeah, you're all on the ball. What 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 do you think the theological significance here is of this? So, you know, in other words, what? Why would God do this? Uh, why would He instruct the, uh, the 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 building of this, construction of this? Why is this part? Um, I, I look for some pictures of this. I know I know I had a picture some time ago, and it, it was of. Uh, our, our good brother, Joel Madlangawa, pastors in Cambodia. And uh, one of the biggest Buddhist temples in the world is right there in the city where he pastors. 
uh, Angkor Wat is, is, the, is what it's called. It's a massive temple. And I know uh, he sent me a picture um, of inside was one of the statues or one of the idols. There was food down at the base of it, food down at the base of it. And the reason for that in, in, in pagan idolatry, uh, people will bring, still to this day, they will bring food to the idols and they'll leave it there. And in, in, in their way of thinking, they are providing for, they are providing for the, the idol and kind of like, here's what I brought you, you know, here's what I brought you now will you do me a favor, see, you know, I, I, I brought you some, you know, some fried chicken, um, now would you, you know, would you meet my need, you see, now, the question is, is that what's going on here, you know, is that, is that what's going on here, is that what God is aiming at, is God saying, you know, bring, bring me, bring me some bread, and uh, if you'll do this, then I'll, I'll meet your needs, there's no Absolutely no indication whatsoever that that is what is going on here. We, we should not get that confused with pagan religion. Pa- again, pagan religion uh, follows that kind of practice of bringing, bringing food and leaving it for the idols. That is not at all what's happening here. Few few things that we should recognize that are going on. First, the table of bread emphasizes God's provision for Israel. God is the creator and covenant Lord who has promised to redeem and care for his people. As the source of their life, he gives them their daily bread. Okay, so that, that, that at least it symbolizes that. Okay, there's more, but at least that. It's just a, a, a symbol of reminding God's people that he provides for them. Also, secondly, he is the source of their eternal life. And the people acknowledge these things by participating in the food offering ritual of the table. Now listen to this carefully. They provide a portion for the table out of the abundance of what God has given them. In this way, the people show their gratitude and worship their Lord. So this this is, again, not trying to feed the God or provide for the God in order here to give him favor. Uh, th- this, is, this is similar to what's called table fellowship. You know, table fellowship. Uh, also bringing, it's similar to the idea of bringing first fruits, you know, because we're so grateful. God, you've provided this, so we're going to bring this to you. Also, one other thing that we should note is the table highlights the intimate fellowship that exists between God and his people. And this is similar to what we just said. In the Bible, a shared meal was a time of close fellowship between people, especially in the context of a covenant. And so all of these things, these are are the signals that the people of God would get from this table. Again, they could not go in, but they would see. They would see the priests carrying in and out because... On Sabbath day, new bread, the old would get dispensed. But they would see this, and all of this would be like, well, yeah, what is going on? And then, you know, these things begin to become real to them. Also, what else does this bread point to? Any ideas? Jesus, 
said, I am the bread of life. Okay? Again, so much of what we see in the tabernacle is, is just, again, shadows. Shadows of, it's kind of like walking into, you know, imagine walking into this uh, old home. It's been shuttered up. There's no electricity on, and so you go and you raise one of the blinds, and you you you, you can you begin to see some images. You begin to see what looks like a chair over there, looks like a table, or, you know, looks. You begin to, it's kind of shadowy though, and and that's that's what the Old Testament is. It's a shadowy things. It's only when we have the light of the New Testament, you know, that it just turns the light on and 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 shows that these things were pointing to something far better, you see. And so Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But then, also notice this. This is, uh, this is interesting. This is in the book of Revelation, by the way. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So what, what, what do we see closing out in the book of Revelation? The marriage supper of the Lamb, a feasting, eating. A, 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 a table fellowship, you see. Now, this is this is you know again. We see, see this. This is what God wants. This is what God wants. It's this celebration, this table fellowship, this communion together. And so we we kind of get a picture of that by seeing the uh, the table of the bread presence. Now, right across, right across, you've, you've walked into the holy place, and on the right hand side is this table of the bread of presence. Now, if, you were, if you're looking at the bread of presence, you just spin around and now look over to your left, you will see the golden lampstand. The golden lampstand. Let's, uh, let's, let's see the instructions that M- Moses was given by God. You shall make a lampstand. I want to watch this real carefully because we're going to talk about this for a minute. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. Pure gold. Notice it doesn't say solid gold. Okay, Pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work. Its base is its stem, its cups, its uh, calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. And there shall be six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side, three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it, three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower on one branch, and three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower on the other branch, uh, so for the six branches going out of the lampstand. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, let me see here. Yeah, let's look at one more here. Yeah, there we go. And on the lampstand itself, there shall be four cups made like almond blossoms with their calyxes and flowers and a calyx of one piece with it under each pair of the six branches going out from the lampstand. Their calyxes and their branches shall be of one piece with it. The whole of it, a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. Now, we've got to figure all this out, all right, because that sounds a little complicated. But you notice, let's go back just a little bit. You notice, uh, it's a tree-like, okay? It's a cr- tree-like appearance, all right? Uh, 
yeah, let's back up. But okay. It says it's made this this piece is made of pure gold, not solid gold. Now I found this interesting. I don't know if you will or not. But um Notice he also said it's, 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 it's going to be hammered. It's going to be hammered. One, one talent of gold, one talent of gold weighs about 75 pounds, all right? This would mean that the lampstand was not a solid gold article made from a casting. In other words, you know, you know what a casting would be? Let's just pour the gold inside this mold and then we can bring it out as one piece. It's, it's not that. Don't picture that. It, it has to be hammered out, fashioned, okay, uniquely. Uh, gold is extremely heavy, I'm told. Uh, 1,205 pounds per cubic foot. 75 pounds, which is what uh, this, this piece would weigh, is only about 108 cubic inches in other words, about the size of a one-gallon container. Okay, so the, the gold that it would take to make the golden lampstand, again, about the size of, of one-gallon container, like a gallon of milk. That means, now, that means if the lampstand was of solid gold but only weighed 75 pounds, it would only be about two foot tall at the most. Okay, so you imagine you're in the you're in the holy place. You you know you you've got this table. You know it, it's, it's it's not huge, but but then you turn around and you see this little miniature lampstand about two foot tall. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's in other words, just just trying to explain that the reason why the lampstand is not solid gold, I want to be extremely extremely heavy, uh, but he's already said it's only seventy five pounds. It's only it's only uh, one talent of gold, and so you got to work that out and figure out. Okay, uh, here, here's, here's. So, so we're not told how high it is. By the way, we're not told, but as you do a little math, it was probably more in the range of somewhere between three and four foot tall. Okay, because I know you were dying to know that. I know, I know that you, you you're driving home. You're like, oh, man, how tall is that thing? How tall is it? Um, let's look at this next verse here, and you should make seven lamps for it. And the lamps shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. Now, again, I, I, kind, of, I kind of find this a little bit interesting. Um, here it is again, okay? The, notice the, the branches have these cup-like flowering units, buds and blossoms, and they're all one integral unit, okay? This is all part of one unit, the little cups there at the top, the little buds and all that, all part. These lamps, it says you shall make seven lamps for it. These lamps are add-ons, okay? They're separate from this one gold lampstand. And these lamps are going to be filled with olive oil, and the priests will light them. Now, why why is this important, okay? And Again, you may not think this is all that big a deal, but uh, this makes sense. In other words, we shouldn't we shouldn't view this this uh, this lamp as uh, as like okay, uh, he just they just poured some olive oil in these little cups. If that happened, here's what I'm told: gold melts at 1,940 degrees Fahrenheit, which means if the gold portions 
of the lamp came in contact with the oil-fueled flames, the gold would melt. Okay? So in other words, you, could, you couldn't just take this lampstand and pour, pour oil in these little cups. It, it would, the heat would generate so hot that it would melt the gold. So the seven lamps... These, these add-ons here, you shall make seven lamps for it, and the lamps shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. The reason for that, the seven lamps that, that burned with olive oil had to be, uh, had to be serviced by the priest daily to keep them burning. Uh, and so this, this would have been a daily thing. And so, again, so these, these, these add-ons had to be added. And to keep them burning... Now, why, why do you suppose to keep them burning? Why? Um, I don't know if this is a good... I mean, you can figure this out yourself, but you had to keep, keep these lamps burning. Now, because in, you're, you're inside this tabernacle, okay, this tent. Um, see your way around, right? Or, even more importantly, uh, to find your way to God. Why? Because, I mean, you've walked into the holy place, and, and what, what's next on the journey? You know the veil, the, the altar of incense, or the veil, and then the holy, most holy, the holy of holies, right? And so, what, what we should be thinking is, okay, why, why, why this golden lampstand? Well, uh, again, keep keep these keep these burning in order to light the way to God. Uh, the other the other the other night, uh, I guess it was last, last Friday night. We we've had a we've had a, a what 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 was a small leak. In our roof, but what happens to small leaks when you don't fix them? They they become bigger, and so it was about 5 a.m. on Saturday morning. I heard all of a sudden I was just rattled out of sleep. I just heard this, <laughs> and what happened was there was water build up. It had built up so much in the drywall in the living room. It just finally just and it's the amazing thing is it 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 come through a hole about that big. All this water and drywall, leaving this big bubble of paint. It, look, it looks like a gorder, uh, just hanging down, you know. And so I couldn't see. <laughs> so I got, I got a lamp, I got, I got a, a, a flashlight because I, I even turned on the lights and still couldn't see because it was just kind of in a shadowy. And I finally got the light and shined on it. You know, I could see what was, what was going on and how bad it was. And by the way, as it turned out, it was a little nail standing about that high, letting in all that water. The roofer come out, got on the roof, wasn't up there five minutes. He wasn't up there five minutes. Come back down, put his ladder up. I'm like, what? What in the world? It must be bad. He took a picture of it while he was up here. He says, just a little bitty nail. It had come up about that high, and all the water was going inside. I tell you that story simply, again, the light thing, you know, just to being able to see. The, this, this lamp served as lighting the way to God. So what, what, is, what is the meaning of the significance of this lampstand? Again, tree-like appearance. What, what, what do you think of when you think about a, a tree-like appearance? Does, does anything come to mind? Well, you, know, you, might, you, might, you might start thinking a number of different things, but f- the first thing is you think of the tree of life in the garden, the tree of life in the garden. I, I've just got a book in the mail, just started it the other night, called Reforesting Faith. Can't wait to finish this. It is a book about, it is a guy who lives in Lexington, and he goes through the entire Bible looking at trees. And I'm already fascinated in the first two chapters. It's unbelievable what all the Bible has to say about 
about trees and, and faith in the Christian life. Unbelievable. It's fascinating. But anyway, tree of, tree of life in the garden, right? This, this, this candle, golden lampstand, has a tree-like appearance. And it's symbolic of the connection between the presence of God and life itself. Lighting the way to God. Jesus, what, anybody, what else does this point to? <laughs> I know you're going to say Jesus, right? Yeah, well, you'd be right, right? Say Jesus identified himself as the true light that reveals the way to the Father. Isn't that interesting? You know, like in, in, in the tabernacle, we need to see our way. The priests need to see their way, their way to God. So there's this lampstand. And then Jesus says, I'm the light. You know, I'm, I, he lights the way for us to be able to come to the Father. Here's what he also said in addition. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then we read, he... John the Baptist, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then, once again, we come to the book of Revelation, begin to tie everything up, and we read this. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp, its lamp, (laughs) its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So undeniably, undeniably, as we walk through the tabernacle and its furnishings, cannot, you know, can, cannot even begin to understand these things without some understanding of sin. And we'd still be scratching our heads after we look at all this until we get to the New Testament and the light of the New Testament is cast, and it, it's, it pulls all the window shades up and turns the lights on, and we're able to, to see what all of this was pointing to, pointing to God's rich salvation, perfect salvation in Jesus Christ.